0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Wow, what is up, man? What is up? Good morning, good morning, good morning. morning. Wow. I was like, I hope they're more alive than the 9 o'clock series. All right. Hey, um, this is what I want to do, just a couple things. Some of you know us, uh, some of you don't, and we'll get everybody on the same page in just a moment. But I want to ask you a real quick question before I dive in to the message this morning, and that's this. And I am going to all service, emotionally vomit good things on your pastors today. So you're just going to have to deal with that, all right? Because they're my heroes, they're my friends, they're phenomenal pastors, phenomenal leaders. And here's what I want to ask you this morning before we get things rolling is this. Out of the last year, since they took over on April 10th, basically it was our last Sunday of last year, they took over that Easter Sunday. In the last year, can we, before we do, let me ask you this question, and if you agree with this, I want you to applaud, hoot, holler, whatever, roll on the floor, I don't care, whatever. But if this couple has had an impact in your life in some way, shape, or form, in the last year, can we make some noise for them right now? The only people not clapping don't know you yet, so it's all good, all right? So here's the deal. Um, this couple has been a phenomenal uh, friend to us. We we love them. We love Parker. We love Ellis. We love their whole family, and we did take it. It wasn't a chance, man. We knew it's what God wanted for this place, and you guys are killing it as a church. You know, you had to go to two services. You got seats packed. You, you're doing great things. You're going to upgrade this building without before you know it, and you're like, praise God. No, you got a lot of stuff. Going on. I can tell you horror stories of this building. So, um, by the way, real quick, Asher, are you preaching next week? Sweet! <laughs> Who would be here if he is? <laughs> Riley's in Ecuador, and Riley and I don't know each other very well. So, there you go, man. Asher's preaching sometime, it sounds like. I just want to praise God for you as a church. I want to praise God if there's anybody that's visiting today because I just want you to know you're in good hands with this couple this morning. And so, um, I know I'm probably not going to get around to say hi to everybody. Please know I want to. Um, we'll just stand in the back and say hi if you want. But we're here to honor this couple. We're here to honor what God has been doing in and through this church and in and through this community. And, man, I tell you what, God's just continuing to expand what's happening. So let me get you just caught up really quick on the Vincent side of things. And then I have a message that I believe is for us this morning. So we'll just throw up a couple pictures for you. Here we go. Here's the first one. This is my family. Boom. There we are. This is our house. For those of you that don't know, we moved to the promised land called Florida a year ago, a land flowing with ocean and seashells, and uh, we live about a half an hour from the beach, and so we spend a lot of time there, even though my wife still looks albino and I look tan, we're we still, uh, no, she's tan, she's tan, uh, we're still down there a lot. Um, this is our family, it's growing, my son-in-law on the right, who's here with us this morning, and uh, uh, my oldest two are up here in Minnesota. Uh, JC and Isaac, and Isaac, by the way, I don't know, but I think you guys have the best drummer in the world. I just want to say, um, it's so tough when I hear him drum. I'm like, this is my son drumming, man. It's so good, and, and I'm like, no, worship God, worship God. Don't look at your son right now. Um, and I'm just very, very grateful for our family. So we do a lot together. This is Our house down in Florida. So if you're like, where are they? That's where we're at. Uh, next picture here is my wife and I. We have a, a pool, not uh, just on the north side of our community. So we go up here and spend time. That's, that's what it's like. There's nobody up there, so we just hang out, and uh, uh, we love it. So Next one here, um, this is us playing pickleball. Uh, this is my daughter and son-in-law when they flew down. Uh, any pickleball players? Man, that is a fun sport, isn't it? It's addicting, and if you haven't played pickleball, don't play with anyone over the age of 70. They will kick your butt. I'm just warning you, all right? They're the ones that taught us. You can go to this next one here. Um, this is our house. This is the inside of our house, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when God calls us to do something, he says, I want you to go do X, Y, Z. And you're like, yes, Lord. And you follow it. You know that everything goes completely perfect, right? And you're like, why did all hell just break loose in my life, right? And so we get into our house and I'm driving Uber at the time in between. I'm kind of sure what we're doing now and, and trying to make ends meet and all of that. And I'm out driving Uber in the pouring rain. It rains every afternoon in Florida for about an hour. And Heather calls me in tears. She goes, hey, it's actually raining inside of our house. And I'm like, what? And so the house we bought wasn't disclosed to us. We didn't know. We have had water intruding into our home since we moved in. Only two weeks ago has that water now stopped because we had some stucco get redone on the back of the home. And so you might think, wow, they're just love and Where We're like, all right, God, we need your help here on this one. So if you've ever been in that situation, you can maybe relate. Now, Uh, Let me show you this next one, because we maybe had it in our house, but how many have been to Fort Myers area before? Anybody in here? Okay, a few of you. Um, This is Fort Myers Beach. So if you ever go to Fort Myers, this is about 10 minutes from where the twins play their spring training. And right here, this is what Fort Myers Beach looked like with the pier, and there's a lot of, you know, little shops right here. This is a wind store that my wife used to like to go to. And this was before Hurricane Ian, which we moved down just in time for. Third- third largest storm in the United States history, we learned. And so um, this was Fort Myers before. And just so you know, in this area, there was actually a 28 foot storm surge, which what that means is uh, basically 28 feet of water continued inland, but you have to subtract how high you are above sea level. So obviously at sea level, you're zero in one foot. Now it'd be 27 feet above ground. So all of these buildings, just to give you an idea, none of these are over 28 feet high. So most of these we're completely underwater and completely wiped out. Here's what it looks like now. So if you wonder how Ian impacted our community, it's crazy. The people down there are resilient. People from all over the world flew in to, to help us. There's still people helping put things back together again. And so uh, though we might have water coming, we've been praying and doing what we can to help in this situation. A lot of the rubble, rubble and stuff now is is gone and out of there. You can actually drive through the community And the area again, but here's that wind store. It's it's gone, probably for good. I don't know if they'll rebuild or not. But just to give you a little idea of the context of what we we got to see when we moved down there, I'm like, Lord, I'm initiated. I'm good, man. Like, come on. Um, the last year, you know, you lead a church, you start a church, and then you go, all right, God, what's next? And you think the logical thing would be, all right, well, let's let's pray about starting the church or leading the church, and um. I didn't have a desire to, and I'm like, Lord, if you want us to, we'll do that. And so we started just to do stuff on the side, some catering deliver is what I was doing. Heather was teaching. Uh, most of our kids are either married now or in college. We have one left in grade school. And uh, recently just started. I'm going to be doing family ministry at a church that's growing. The pastor is about Derek's age, and I just feel like I can go in and just be a support and a blessing to them. And, and uh, he's a lot like you, man. He loves hockey, too. He's a Panthers fan, though, not a Wild fan. And so uh, we start there on 15th of July, and then at the same time, I'll be working for a friend of mine that lives in Princeton uh, who does taxes, and so their their tax season, they're growing as a company, and so I said, I will do taxes for you and with you and help you. I'm a financial geek on one side, but I said, I'm not doing them in Minnesota. (laughs) Like I'm not coming back up here to do that, and uh, she said, no, you can do it from your ocean chair if you want, and I said, praise God. All right, so... That's, that's what's up for us right now. With all that being said, here's what I want to do. And I have a message that I want to give to you this morning that I believe uh, is what God had put on my heart. I've been praying a lot for today because I really want to honor this couple and I want to leave you guys with a word that you can walk away here going, all right, some of you know us, some of you don't. And so I just pray that God would just reveal something new to your heart, to your soul, to your spirit, whatever it is that you need. I pray God gives that to you this morning. This last year has been a crazy inward journey of figuring out and answering this question, who am I, Lord? What am I doing in my life? And what I realized is that we're all asking that same question. Like, God, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Why am I here? And what's interesting to me is this journey that I've been on and maybe you've been on, we end up taking our identity and we wrap it into the wrong thing. We wrap it into more of the things we do than the things we are. And when we do that, what happens is our identity shifts, and it changes, especially if your identity, who you are, is wrapped into a title or what you do. What happens? Your value changes of who you are. I'll give you a great example. You might have the title of dad, which I love. we got to celebrate Father's Day, or, or pastor. Or you might have a title of teacher or mom or student or son or daughter or business owner or employee Whatever it might be, whatever label you get, what happens if we identify as one of those? Well, our identity constantly shifts and changes depending on, am I in dad mode? Am I in pastor mode? Am I in employee mode? And so it can become this very insecure way of holding on to our identity or our value. And so the obvious thing, we all know this, our identity needs to be wrapped into something secure and unchanging. And that's the realization that we are what? We're children of God. We're children of God. We're child of God. I think all of us have heard that before. We sing it, you know, that song, I am a child of God. And I realized in the last year, I would sing that song. And then I would realize I'm literally just singing the words. I'm not, I'm not worshiping. Maybe I've just done that. Maybe no one else. Right. Right. I'm sure it's just me. And, and I'm singing it. I'm going, God, do I really believe this? Do I really believe I'm a child of God? God, what is this like that you call me a child of God? I mean, Christ was the son of God. I'm a chi- does that make us brothers? Well, it does, biblically. And so it's a realization of how much God actually loves us, no matter your title, no matter your status, no matter where you're at in life, no matter if you're through a hurricane, no matter if you live in the promised land or you still live in Minnesota, it doesn't matter. And so we all have these desires. We all have these desires, these innate things, and they're natural. We have these desires for affirmation. We have these desires for purpose, like I I don't want my life not to matter, I want it to matter. We have these desires for value, or we have these desires for security. I want to be secure in who I am. A lot of times we put our things in things that make us insecure because they're constantly moving and changing. You know, we, we ebb and flow depending whether it's through education or failures or statuses, all of those things. And so there's one key verse I want to give to you this morning that John wrote, and I think it's pertinent to where we're going to camp out here for the remainder of our time this morning for the next few minutes. John says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called, say it with me, children of God. And that's what we are. I love that last part that John puts in there. He could have stopped there. But he's like, dude, that's who we are. That's, that's our identity, if we hold on to that, we realize that's who we are, not what we do or what we're trying to figure out or how we're living. That's it. It's that simple. But how many of us wrestle to live that out? We wrestle to receive that. We wrestle to go, I'm just good being me. I'm comfortable in my own skin. How many of us watched The Comedian? and We were like, dude, you could either do comedy or you need to go see a counselor, man. Like, come on. We've all seen that stand-up comic that you know a lot of their material comes from their hurt. It's funny, but at the same time, you're like, I think there's some truth to what he's saying right now. A lot of our thoughts that we have about ourselves are really about value. Do I matter? Am I valuable? And if so, who thinks? Who thinks what about me is valuable? Well, what if what matters is just what God thinks? Period. Which is, you know, the obvious truth. Because, and I want to show this to you this morning, value, is it objective or is it subjective? Value is subject, not objective. Things of value change. I want to show you a picture of this little dude. Everybody say hi to Gus. I don't like Gus. So literally around April Fool's this year, somebody close to our house put a picture of this raccoon on social media, one of our community feeds, and they said, we're so heartbroken right now. Our family pet raccoon ran away. If you can find him and bring him back to us, that'd be the greatest thing in the world. And just FYI, one, he doesn't like to be trapped. Two, he bites. Three, he probably is not going to want to see you and will continue to run. And I'm talking to my boys, and I send a you know, picture to a group text on our whole family, and I'm like, is this real, or is this like, is this an April Fool's thing? What is this? A couple weeks later, we see another thing. Now it's not Gus anymore. My family that's here, who is it? What's his name now? Gussie, yeah. It's Gussie. And I'm going, to this owner, They have this is so valuable to this owner. And I'm thinking to myself, in my little Kia Optima, if I see this guy, I'm going to hit him. He has no value to me whatsoever. (laughs) I don't care about him. And literally, on our road, I saw a dead raccoon. I'm like, I think I found Gus. They send a picture. He looks like he's super anorexic and almost dead. And they're like, we found Gus again. And I'm like, you value that animal, man. I don't think that raccoon's meant to be a pet. That's just my opinion. But they find value in it. I don't. Value is subjective, isn't it? So what determines value? Two things, real quick. Number one, how rare it is. Number one, what determines value? How rare it is. It's pretty rare, that Gus guy. But imagine I take Derek out to lunch. and Derek would probably love this. Let's say I bring to Derek and I said, I got a choice for you today. I've got in one hand of mine a pack of number two yellow pencils. Yeah. They're worth something. And then on the other hand, I've got a whole package of uncut, pure, high-quality diamonds. I'm like, Derek. Your choice today, whichever one you want, you can have. Which one's Derek going to take? He's going take the pencils, of course. And so, how rare is it? Those diamonds are more rare, right? Think of it like this. A lot of people have said in the foundation of the world, the, there's a big discrepancy here, between 10 and 15 billion people have walked the earth, most today than ever. But there's only one of you. Just, just think about that for a moment. No carbon copy. No one, Even if you have a twin sister or twin brother, you're both uniquely and intrinsically different. You might look the same on the outside, but inwardly, you know you're different. One of you. That's how valuable and rare you are. So if value is based upon how rare something is, then what does that say about your value? So stop trying to be some, like somebody else when you're meant to stand out. I, I love what David writes here in Psalm in the 139 verses 13 and 14, he says, I, He says this. He says, For you were created in my own inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Before the foundation of creation, God already had a plan for you to be here. Not just to, to be a human doing, but to be a human being, to, to be a child of God. Well, I got to do this. I got to figure it out. And I, i got to figure out my next vocation. i got to figure out what's the No, God's just going, just rest, just be. That's something he's been teaching this guy in the last year, big time. So, one, how rare is something? Number two, what determines value? Number two, it's this, the price someone's willing to pay for something. You're, how much are you willing to pay for pencils versus diamonds? But let me give it to you this way. Let's go back to 2003. Let's go 20 years ago, and let's say I came to you with an offer, and I said, I've got this pack of Charmin toilet paper. Don't get ahead of me. And I said, How much you want for it? And be like, I don't give you a buck or two. Time travel to 2020, about May. You go door knocking. You want to create a living for yourself in 2020? Be a door to door toilet paper salesman. Kill it. Why? One, it's rare at the same time, but the price somebody's willing to pay, you got to go. You got to go. Whatever you want, man, I'll give it to you. Here it is Romans 5 8. And I love this verse, one of my favorite verses in the entire scripture you remember anything today, remember this about your value. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while well, we were still messing up. We were sinners or we had our iniquities or whatever version you have, He like said, Christ died for us. And otherwise, when we were in our evilness, when we didn't even know, when we were the complete enemy to God, he's like, I love them, I'm sending my son, I'm gonna put a price tag on who they are right now. That's the price tag that's put on you and me. I love that because I'll tell you what, My value has ebbed and flowed in my own opinion, but I need to go with God's opinion. When Chris's heart is evil, I can go back and say, God still loved me even at my worst. Think think of it like this. Christ died for the worst version of you. Think of that. Christ died for the worst version. Not, Not your best. The worst version of you, he's still willing to do that. And you cannot become more of a child of God By your own merits, and you can't become less of a child of God by your own mistakes. Think of it. That's intrinsic value. Your value is literally in His victory. So if He victors, you win. You're valuable because He says you are. So it's not your value that's in question today. What is the question is do you realize your value? Do you actually believe it? Do you believe you're valuable? And the question is, to believe it, we have to make sure our value is validated. So what does that mean? See, Christ, he validates your identity. We just read it in Romans. Paul said he died for us while we were still sinners. He died for you, for your identity, not for your good deeds. He died for you. And so God validates your worth by the price tag he puts on. Let me, let me show you here an illustration. Anybody play the game of life for Monopoly ever? All right, so let's say this. Let's say after service today, we're going to finish up in just a few minutes. And let's say, hey, we're all going to go to lunch together. We're all going to go down to Bootleggers. Good burgers, man. All right? And I'm like, I'm going to buy for us. We show up. And I get the bill. It's about eight, nine hundred bucks. It was only 500 for a service. And uh, we show up. And I get the bill. And I said, it's on me today, everybody. It's on me. And the waitress hands me the, the tab. I slide this into the little thing. She goes back into the little POS and, you know, looking at it. She's going to come back to me and be like, "Uh, yo, dude, I don't think so. It's not going to work. I'm like, no, it says $5,000 on it. Uh, Yeah, we can't, she goes, I can't validate that. Now, on the flip side, let's say I go to McDonald's by myself, and I'm just breathing, praying, and I go and I get a McDonald's meal. Happy meal. You can get them as adults, by the way. I go in there. They do make you happy. And I give them this. Are they going to give me change for it? I I think they're still under $10 in Minnesota. um, If I give them this, they're going to give me change. If I give them this, they're going to say I'm a psycho. As they should. Why? Is there any intrinsic value in either of these? No. But when we validate it, is. and I can tell you what, when I'm trying to become the millionaire tycoon in the game of life and beat my kids, this becomes very important. At that time, this doesn't matter. The value is subjective, but God has validated your value and your worth by his son dying on that cross. Now, my in-laws were here the first service, so I can pick on them more the second service. I warned them, my in-laws have this dog. I don't know what it is with me and pets today, but their dog it's one of those tiny like like the kind you want to kill. It's not meant to be a pet, it's meant to be bait. And like I but they don't agree with me on that. In fact, they want love this thing. They won't even come see Heather and I in Florida unless they bring Satan's minion with them. And so they will literally, they built this like staircase up to the bed so this little thing can actually get up to their bed. They have it in their, in their uh, like a little sleeping thing for it in their minivan. And I'm looking at it, and the only thing in the back of my mind that I'm thinking the entire time is really this next picture, to be honest with you. This is all I'm thinking the whole time. <laughs> now, this picture, some of you are like, who is this guy, man? Wow, I- he does. He's evil. Well, that's why God saves us. All right, so you know you're with me, a lot of you. I'm just willing to admit it. Here's what's interesting about this picture. This is Photoshopped, obviously. So. You know many dogs get taken by hawks and eagles every year? You know what one picture it's so hard to find on social media? Why? Because what's the owner doing in that moment? The owner's not about posting something to social media. It's so valuable for them, for their little yippy dog that they're going after in the case and they're chasing after. So, what's the lesson here? You buy a bigger dog. Okay, so. <laughs> if you're uncertain about your value in God, I want you to know today that Christ is searching for you, he cares for your soul more than anything else. You're not too far gone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how valueless you think you are. God sees you, believes in you, and loves you today. That's the message of the gospel. And when we rest in our true identity as a child of God, something really powerful happens. One of your purposes on your website, your website looks phenomenal. We find freedom. Find freedom. You can fill in what that is for you. You find freedom in wanting accolades from others. You find freedom in pressures from others. You find freedom from in addiction. You find freedom just in, in who you are and who you're meant to be. You find freedom for whatever it is that you're striving to find because you realize you already found it. It's like being in a room and already searching for a key to get into that room, but you're already in it. God's already showed you your value. Your pastor wants this. Pastor Derek and Meg, they want this for you. And ironically, one of the toughest places to find freedom is in ministry. Now, I want to ask you to do something here. We're going to kind of shift the end of this message here real quick. I'm going to ask you to take out something to write down something on. It can be a phone, a tablet, paper. Just grab something real quick again. Okay? I want you to write this down. It's very important today. Your pastor's value, and I'm going to pick on Derek. I didn't tell him. I didn't warn it. He saw in this first service, so he's a little prepped now. His value is not in a title. Just because Derek's the lead pastor doesn't make him more or less valuable to God. doesn't matter how many people get saved in his ministry. doesn't even matter what we or any of us think of them. What God has already said about them is true. If there were some practical ways, if you agree with us, with me, I want you to say yes. If there were some practical ways we could honor Derek and Meg today, you're cool with that, we say yeah. All right, here we go. About half the people are cool with it. All right, so almost every it's going to get real, real, just for a moment. So bear with me. I want to carefully read some of this. So if I lose eyesight with you for a moment, that's why, because I'm, I want my words to be very careful right now. Last week, I did lunch with a pastor, and we were talking, and this pastor said to me, and he goes, hey, I just want you to know a good friend of yours is no longer pastoring. And I said, oh, man, what did he move on? Is he doing something? No, he committed adultery. And my heart was just what are you talking about? And uh, they have a family, and it was just heartbroken because pastors and families are my heroes. When I hear of stuff like that, it breaks my heart. And I'm not here to say that. Any of us or any, no no one's above something that could happen in their life. But it's heart-wrenching, it's heartbreaking, and rather than be reactive, I want to be proactive so that we can honor your pastor's value. Amen? We're going to honor his value today. And here's, here's just a little bit of things, and then I want some action steps, and we'll close out in just a minute. Ministry can be a super lonely place where a pastor must put on his game face every time he's around us because that's what all the good leadership books say we're supposed to do. Make it till you make it because a lot of pastors have their value in the wrong thing. Pastors are surrounded by people whom we think are friends until that pastor says something that someone in the church disagrees with I'm not talking biblically, I'm just talking preferential. A cooler church opens up down the road or the church they lead isn't growing fast enough or it's growing too big or they go to two services more than one or they don't have the right worship style. Last time I remember, worship wasn't about us, by the way. The list of consumer-based church desires can seem dauntingly endless that some of us hold on to today and now it's time to die. You with me? Say yeah. going to get real, real. All the while, pastors and your pastor too, they're carrying this burden to your church more than anyone else. Eating it, breathing it, sleeping it, thinking about the vision, desiring to lead well, more than you will ever see or ever know until you're in that seat. And the enemy sees your pastor as a threat because they are. And according to Barna Research, 42% of all pastors right now, currently, this is two weeks ago, this study came out 42% would rather do something outside of ministry. almost half. Every person in the church a lot of times has their own unwritten job description of what a pastor is and can justify why. Yet every lead pastor knows they are not supposed to please everyone and still has this heart of the shepherd. And so they're wanting them to perish. Now on one side, pastors are carrying this hurt and burden that no one sees of this inward wrestling they're going through. Pastors oftentimes will hear congregation members say, God told me it's time to go to a different church. And the lead pastor can then maybe feel rejection because that member, they didn't seek out their pastor, and that pastor cannot now go against the, well, God told me card. That trumps anything a pastor says when God's, you know, we say God told me. That's one of the biggest ways we use God's name in vain today. Attenders sometimes just stop showing up. and Our heart's broken because we're going, where are they? I love them. I want the best for them. I can tell you right now, Derek, mech. They don't care where you go to church. They care where you're connecting with God. That's what they want more than anything. So I want to leave you with a few challenges that will bless you and encourage you. And I'm going to ask you to write this down when I'm done. So just listen right now. When I'm done, I want you to write one of these down that you can do the next couple weeks or next month. Here it is real quick. Number one, just, just listen right now. Ask your pastor how you can best show support. Then when Pastor Derek says to you how to do that, actually do it. Go above and beyond. He says, I want you to lead this small group. And he specifically says, this small group, you don't have to have an underwater basket weaving one or left-handed poetry small group. The one that he says, number two, before you ever leave a church, even if the bridge isn't your home church, if it's another church, before you ever leave a church, ask your pastor what they think first, showing you're submitting to their authority. Because leaving a current church doesn't solve a lot of times the issues in our own heart. We just bring it to another congregation. Pastors, we want freedom. We want to find freedom, and a lot of it's down to our value. Number three, when your pastor makes a decision, you don't know all the details. Give them the benefit of the doubt. We've trusted them to lead us this far, right? Number four, don't ask your pastor what their full-time job is. I will kick you. No, I won't. I have one of my kids to do it. I'm delegate it out. Um, many people don't realize that pastoring is a never-ending full-time job. Ask your pastor, rather, how can I assist you? And then assist them. If your pastor has young kids like yours does, chances are your couple on this front row is due for a night out. The last thing I want you to do is go and offer them child care. Because no offense to you, they might not want you watching their kids. All right? Rather, you're going to go to them and say, Pastor, you need a night out. Here's a gift card, your favorite restaurant. And here's, I don't know, what is 120 bucks an hour to watch kids now? I, here, here it is for your kids. You guys go have a night on us. Number five, I have two left. Pray for protection over your pastor, especially the day before they preach. And the last one is this. Your pastor's the most authentic person. This couple's the most authentic couple I have ever met. They're phenomenal. You are in such great hands. God is honoring and giving them favor and you favor because of their leadership today. Be okay if your pastor once in a while isn't okay. And then ask them, ask them, but then be okay if you know they're not okay, but they don't want to share everything because they don't want their life on display. Let them have that privacy. That's why they didn't become politicians. They became pastors, all right? finally realize this the pastor's human might make mistakes on occasion we all do some of us in the pets we own some of us in bigger mistakes but pray they see and always see that their value is in the right spot pray for them, pray for them. Can we do this? Can we just pray for Derek and Meg really quick Can we honor them as they come back up here come here guys come on let's honor them as they come back up ahead, one thing, if you didn't write something down yet, make sure you write it down, but here's what I want to ask you to do. Just stand up with me and can we just pray and as an extension of God's grace, just stretch out an arm towards them if you want mine. Lord, I'm so grateful for this couple, some of our closest friends. I'm grateful for the conversations that Derek and I have had behind closed doors that no one will ever know about. And the ones that he shared, the dreams in his heart, the dreams for people to come alive in you the dreams that you've given him. God, I pray that this couple you protect their marriage, you protect their family, you protect their hearts, you protect their desires, even if things don't go the way they want sometimes, and that they'd find their value strictly in you. God, would you bless this couple? Would you give them their heart's desire? Would you give them rest when they need it? Would you give them energy when they need it? Would you give them the date night when they need it? Would you continue to surround people around them that know their value themselves and the value that this couple has in Christ as they lead this church for your glory. give you this time and I'm so grateful and thankful that we can honor them today. May you continue to lift them up, Jesus, as they humble themselves as leaders and servants before you. Bless them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you guys.